Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Nature Back, the talk show where we are talking with investors and entrepreneurs about the green future. My name is Tarmo Virki, and today my guest is Marta Krupinska from Curate. Hello, Marta. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. What is Curate? You're writing it C-U-R-8, so four characters in total, just for all the all the listeners who want to Google. <laughs> Amazing. Well, first of all, thank you so much for getting the spelling out of the way. Uh, no, I don't have to do this. So yes, indeed, uh, Curate, and you can find us at Curate, uh, Curate which is C-U-R-8.earth um, online. So Curate is a market maker for carbon removals. And I suppose the almost more important question is, what are carbon removals if we're making a market for it? So all of you will have heard already about carbon offsets, largely protection credits or reduction credits, say, moving to solar. Incredibly important work. However, largely based on a counterfactual, and only about 4% of said offsets actually remove carbon from the atmosphere. And now what we know uh, according to the IPCC, while we have to radically decarbonize, and it's our first priority to reduce emissions that go into the atmosphere, we have now left it too late. And we also have to remove the carbon that is already up in the atmosphere. There is a multitude of ways in which this can be done, but the whole space is completely nascent. We're probably maximally five years into that journey. So going back to what Curate does, we're a market maker for carbon removals, meaning we work very closely with suppliers of carbon removal. So companies that actively sequester carbon out of the sky through regenerative agriculture, burning biomass in low oxygen environments, spreading basalt rock on fields or building sky hoovers that suck carbon out of the sky and put it under the ground for thousands of years. We work with those guys to help them build a market for their products. So we then work with clients that are on a decarbonization pathway and want to also remove their residual emissions to reach true net zero. There is no net zero without removals because you reduce as much as you can and then you remove the rest. So our first product is a brokerage of those carbon removals. We built a portfolio of carefully selected carbon removal credits from across the world. Some of the removal has already happened, some will come in the future. Um, it's a mix of global north and global south. The reason why I personally am so passionate about uh, carbon removals and obviously fighting climate change, but it's something we have to do as a global community. We cannot solve it. Estonia for Estonia, UK for UK, India for India. We have to work together. So we carefully select methods and companies and projects from around the world. 
Um, and we also peg the price of carbon removal to the social cost of carbon. A very interesting piece of research that came out in Nature magazine a couple of years ago that talked about how every time we emit a ton of carbon into the atmosphere, it uh, does damage to the tune of $185 per ton. Now it's damage to human health, migration, displacement, real estate, financial assets. So we're basically saying if this is how much it costs every time we emit it, we shouldn't be able to get out of jail free for less than that. Um, the next thing that we're working on is also financial products for suppliers of carbon removal. So how do we, and I spent my whole career looking at finance and how capital flows, how do we get more capital into the hands of those scientists that are pulling carbon out of the sky, all in the hope that we will manage to get to 10 billion tons of carbon removal by 2050, which is what the IPCC is telling us we need to get to, to stay below 1.5 and stop irreversible damage to our planet. Yes. Uh, the 1.5, you're still optimistic about it? Well, it's, it's really interesting. My co-founder, Dr. Gabriel Walker, says that hope is not something that is often felt by people that work in climate. And I think if we didn't have any, we wouldn't be doing the work. So clearly, there is enough hope there. I think I, I, I'd like to be a little bit more intentional than just optimistic. Uh, this is actually, for me personally, why I went into carbon removals and, and started curating in the first place. I was actually becoming increasingly defeatist because, you know, I looked at the Paris Agreement and I looked at the IPCC reports and we are not decarbonizing fast enough. And it's a massive problem. And it's a systemic problem. Incentives aren't aligned. You know, regulation isn't kicking in fast enough. It's an incredibly complex issue. But when I first heard of carbon removals in 2020, it genuinely rocked my world. For the reason that for the first time I thought, okay, hang on a second. Well, we have to continue radically decarbonizing. We're doing everything we can and we should do more. But also we have a way of, of aiding that process with something that actively also pulls carbon out of the sky. So I think, you know, if we if we don't get removals going, there's absolutely no chance for 1.5. If we don't continuously focus heavily on divesting from oil and gas, on, you know, punitive um, you know activities that 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 discourage big emitters from emitting if we don't put all of our efforts into science and research we have to mobilize everything that we've got but we also know that the science is clear there is no staying below 1.5 without carbon removals and i put all of my work and effort and hope into that You've been in this field now for a couple of years. How how do you see the the kind of cost of carbon removals? Because that's clearly the elephant in the room. Well, I mean, I don't even know if it's an if it's an elephant in the room. It's 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 a challenge, and a lot of the critics of carbon removal, and maybe to put it in context, the market is used to five dollars a ton, ten dollars a ton. You know, hop on a plane, plant a tree, and everything's going to be hunky dory. Now, any of us that have spent any time thinking about this know that it's an impossible it's an impossible effort to try and offset a flight um with you know planting a couple of trees and doing all of this for $5 so the challenge is that the market is used to pricing that is that is very very low when we think about the compliance carbon markets like the ETS their carbon price got closer to 100 now that's an encouraging that's that's an encouraging direction but on the carbon removal front especially when we're thinking about some of the methods that have the highest durability so things like direct air capture enhanced rock weathering 
um, we can be looking at anything from $500 to $1,000 per ton. Now, the critics of carbon removal say that this is why it's not going to scale and it's not going to help uh, stop climate change. Now, the thing is, we have seen this already and successfully done this in other areas. When we think about solar, the cost of solar has gone down massively over time because we created the right environment for that to happen. We discounted capital. We um, we put a lot of effort into research and innovation that got the cost of actual production of solar down. And this is exactly what we're having to do now. This is why initiatives like the Frontier Fund, which is basically a bunch of big tech companies putting together $1.2 billion to invest in early credits of carbon removal at maximum prices, you know, somebody has to absorb that initial cost because we need to get to economies of scale. We need to get the learning curves up. So yes, it is expensive today, but because of the fact that it's expensive today, if we're doing this right, then there is a radical um, reduction in cost that we that we should be experiencing. Part of the reason why we are so wedded to a portfolio approach at Curate is because what we're trying to do is offer the closest to the durability and measurability of closed systems like enhanced weathering or, or, or DAC with social and environmental co-benefits of nature-based solutions like trees and soils. All of this pulled into one asset that's priced at something that's actually palatable to clients. And we sold our first client was the, was the royal family. We sold to the Queen of England. We removed emissions from her funeral. We sold to some multi-billion dollar manufacturing um, and, and sort of production companies. And, and these guys, you know, have the margins, have the interest to, 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 to stop climate change, do their bit, increasingly are getting regulated to do so. The UK, we're based in London. The UK is the most interesting place to start a climate or especially a removals company today because we're the first country that has the legal definition of net zero that requires organizations to reduce emissions by 90% and then durably remove the rest. Now that's very exciting. But even those organizations that are learning how to buy removals, well, A, they don't necessarily have internal science teams, which is why we exist, because we do that for them. Uh, but also they need to create an entire new budget. And the interesting thing about, you know, the position in which we are today is unfortunately, uh, we're globally, we're in a business model where it's easy to make money off destroying nature, and it's near impossible to make money off protecting it. Uh, chief sustainability officers for the longest time in companies were basically, you know, drivers of savings, and now it's starting to look more like a cost, uh, like like a cost line in in the company's PNL. So we need to very carefully, although very quickly, work with those organizations to help them create those budgets, help them understand the benefit that they will that that they will get from purchasing removal credits, and help them build long term meaningful net zero pathways. So it's not just about doing something in 2023. It's if I have a net zero goal of 2030 or 2035, how do I get myself access to supply of reliable, high quality carbon removal that will help me claim that I'm net zero, which I'm increasingly asked to do, but also that's not going to break the bank. So again, going back to your point around cost, it is expensive now. It's what it is. We can get it down as much as possible by blending different methods. And we need to invest in, in suppliers and in methods that have the best chance of scaling to 10 billion tons by 2050. And that's going to require that investment. We've seen it work before. It's going to work again. I know there is a wide field of different uh, methods which could be counted as you know, car carbon uh, 
carbon removals. Uh, is, is, is biology the cheapest? Actually going and plant the trees in the place where there were no trees before? Yes. So I think um, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned biology. So we try and increasingly traditionally, although traditionally in the very many years, the carbon rules have existed. Um, people have referred to different methods as sort of in two buckets, nature based solutions and engineered solutions. What mm. we're trying to start thinking about more is open systems and closed systems, because ultimately it's not about all of the methods in carbon removal require a mix of nature working with nature and human ingenuity <laughs> you know knowing knowing which trees to plant and where and you know some of the suppliers that we work with not only plant trees they also um harvest um uh, harvest um microbiomes from well-performing forests and use it to fertilize new forests and then turn some of the trees chop down some of the trees and turn it into cross-laminated timber or other building materials to increase durability so all of this can be quite complex, but indeed, um, planting trees and uh, or um, regenerative farming, these things have been cheaper for, for 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 obvious reasons. We can imagine what the cost of that would be. We still have to remember that there also is a cost of what's called MRV, measurement reporting verification. It's not only about performing the act of, say, planting a tree. It's also about verifying that some carbon has been drawn down to what rate over what period in every geography would look a little bit different. Um, the methods that are, for instance, director capture that a lot of people are very excited about right now, you know, you're spinning up a huge, um, you know, a, a, a facility that sucks in air and uses sorbents to separate um, CO2 from everything else. And it's quite a big energy intensive process for every million parts, only about 40 are CO2. So again, we can imagine that it's quite, that it's quite a lot of effort that can be much more expensive, probably everything from 500 to, to, to a thousand tons. Now, the thing that we have to consider, and this is why it's both fascinating and complex to work in carbon removals. These credits are not fungible in that a ton of carbon removed through regenerative agriculture and a ton of carbon removed through enhanced rock weathering, they're going to have different qualities. Anything from, has there been an opportunity to give some of this money back to the local community that actually did the work, uh, to how durably is this carbon stored for? And most importantly, perhaps, given that we have 27 years until 2050, is how fast can this scale? For instance, when we think about afforestation or reforestation, uh, there have been many claims made by organizations that they're going to plant, you know, plant plant trees and therefore they can get themselves to net zero. And then it turns out that they have to plant enough trees to, you know, that would be the size of Spain. I believe you're sat in Spain today. Now imagine everything yeah. around you is just forest. Um, again, planting trees, incredibly important, but we need other methods that we will be able to quickly um, and at industrial scale, roll out to get on the exponential to head 10 billion tons. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How many of the, I don't know, companies similar to yours who are trying to kind of establish this field or establish the connections across, the, across this new nascent field? Um, great question. And I suppose the, the, it depends how we would um, how we would slice the market. Um, I, I'd say on the tech sort of tech platforms, probably no more than 10, 12. Um, it's, it's all relatively new, but also we're not the only ones that are making the market. You know, you have your traditional sustainability consultancies that are also looking into, or that have been trading offsets and are slowly looking to move into removals. You have your buyers collectives like Frontier Fund. I mean, they're very much, you know, they're playing a very important part in the, uh, in, in the whole puzzle. Um, so uh, we're anecdotally, there's probably about a thousand suppliers of carbon removal um, and, and many, many more springing up through to uh, thanks to amazing programs like air miners that, that help these companies um, scale up. But say, on the sort of mark, market making front, we're, yeah, we're probably significantly under under 20. And, and as ever, different different organizations focus slightly differently on geographies or have a slightly different thesis as to what constitute good, what constitutes good. Um, but uh, but yeah, we're all playing our part. And 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 just astonishingly, I mean, we're all less than five years old. It's such a new space and an emerging trillion dollar market. So, you know, and an opportunity to climate change. Not not surprised that uh, that that people are excited about it. Uh, absolutely. What's the big, what are the biggest challenges in this kind of the early early nascent market? Mm-hmm. Excellent question. Love it because we need to solve all of them. So I hope that whoever <laughs> is listening is going to jump on the opportunity. It definitely helps. So. To, to uh to to fix it. Um we the ones that we see are it very much starts with awareness. Even the fact that every time I talk about curate, I have to always start with, and this is what a carbon removal is. And you would be surprised how people that have done a lot of work in climate change mitigation still don't exactly understand what constitutes carbon removal. So do people know that carbon removal exists? This is the first hurdle. The second one is, do people trust that it is a meaningful part of the solution to climate change? And now the challenge I personally have is, there is a reason why the inter- intergovernmental panel on climate change exists, and if if in their reports they say there is no 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 stopping climate change without carbon removals, I would generally tend to trust that. Um, I also have the benefit of having one of the world's best climate scientists as my co-founder, but um, we know that there are, from a narrative perspective, there are some challenges. So, for instance, some people worry that if we unlock carbon removals as a solution, that that's going to distract. Uh, heavy emitters from decarbonizing and it's going to provide an opportunity to just continue emitting. Now, for instance, the way that we solve it at Curate, we only sell to clients that prove to us that they're already maximally reducing their emissions. So we're saying, prove to us that you've done your bit and we will help you remove your residual. The other thing is also commercially, I spent my whole life in business, it is mostly cheaper to reduce your emissions than to buy removals. There is almost a commercial, um, a commercial um, sort of encouragement uh, to, to to reducing in the first instance. Um, then also within the trust bucket, how do we verify and how do we know that this carbon has been removed? Now I'm in the business of taking hundreds of thousands or millions of pounds of people's money and saying to them, 
the carbon has been removed. Now, obviously, you need to give them something in return. So how do we tell those stories with data? How do we pull it from suppliers? How do we verify and prove that for every ton of carbon that we said would be removed, that ton has actually been drawn down? Not to mention what happens if it hasn't been, which is why some organizations are starting to work on insurance for carbon removal, a very important part of the solution, but very, very hard to do when you have little data and little understanding of risk. Therefore, it's very hard to underwrite, but we know it's going to be a part of the solution. So I talked about awareness. I talked about trust. Now I'd say the third one structurally and biggest one is access to capital. And it's both capital on the, how do we finance the, the pulling carbon out of the sky? How do we, how do we build up these organizations? And um, where does the revenue come from? So, you know, traditionally, I spent my whole life in startups. This is my fourth company. Traditionally, you'd probably go and, you know, get a grant, a non-dilutive grant of some sort. Then you go and get some angel money and then you go to VCs. And probably if you're building a software company, you're good for as long as you're delivering a solid product. Carbon removal, these are these organizations that are structured much more industrially almost. You need its software and its hardware and its science. So the capex on these projects is infinitely higher. Now, what these often require is something that looks a little bit more like project finance. The challenge is that, again, with lack of understanding of risk and a nascent buyer's market, it's just not very attractive to banking partners yet, which is why the first product hire in May at Curate was an incredible venture capitalist and former banker who is building financial products where we're basically saying, we're going to de-risk as much as we can through our portfolio approach and work with suppliers. And we're going to go and find financing partners that are going to give us access to lots of capital because without it, these suppliers cannot go on. And finally, on the revenue side, they also need to be able to secure contracts. Again, buyers are very confused and it's not exactly their fault, really. It's only been a minute. It's only really this year that we're hearing from CFOs and general counsels of organizations saying net zero is kind of creeping up on our, um, you know, on our risk agenda. What do we do? The budgets are non-existent. It's all very nascent. So how do we help buyers understand what good looks like and be able to start meaningfully contributing capital towards towards carbon removals? So yeah, if through to you know all of you lovely listeners of this fantastic podcast, if you could please drop whatever you're doing and start helping on you know solving awareness, trust, and access to capital and carbon removals, um, I'd be much obliged. Yeah, I mean, and uh, and I think uh, everybody would be win from that. Whatever you're doing, um, you know, maybe maybe you're working in a carbon industry already, or 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 something green. So that would make so you know, maybe you don't drop that. The uh, the thing I was thinking about the kind of the challenge of trust is, of course, mm-hmm. something which is uh, very. Uh, in a way, it's really easy to challenge if you're an old oil company and have a lot of uh, lobbying money and PR money and. Uh, and uh, and also, you know, obviously there are challenges, like some cases mm-hmm. of Vera have proven. So, if there would be any good solution for this trust building, uh, you know, uh, what I, what I really liked and recently in the one of the episodes was a startup called Open ESG, which mm-hmm. is trying to basically put all this data in the open field and let people to you know judge and see everything which could be a good solution for actually verifying the data because uh, as long as as the data is you know behind the closed doors and people are just uh, you know trusting on the color of the paper or something like that it it 
you know, of course, it's for a general public, it's much tougher to go and measure the CO2, <laughs> CO2 <laughs> captured from the air. But 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 I think the kind of the openness of the data could be one of the solutions in the data in the kind of the trust building. Definitely. And I guess this is also why many people have been very, very wedded to blockchain solutions. I don't believe everything has been to be able to build on blockchain, but we definitely need to very carefully approach issues like traceability, auditability, double counting. Uh, a lot of our software work has gone into building our backend in such a way that we know exactly what we bought to whom we sold and how that could be traced back throughout the chain. Now, uh, you know, it's, it's a, uh, we, have so many challenges in carbon removal the one would almost argue why don't we just wait for regulation which by the way is coming this is going to become a compliance market in the next five to seven years like why don't we just wait until that's regulated and everybody knows what they're doing or why don't we just wait until somebody has figured out exactly the way to certify and you know the, every credit or you know prove out every methodology the challenge is we don't have the time to waste which is why we're doing all of this in a way where so many of our meetings are about managing risk. What's the what's 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 the risk of doing something wrong versus the risk of doing nothing? And how do we best calibrate? And I think part of the part of the reason why I'm finding it so 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 satisfying and so exciting to to be working on this is it is an incredibly collaborative environment. Everyone will take a meeting, everyone will share some insights and all of us are struggling with similar issues. So I guess for as long as we're openly considering that there are known issues. Even when we speak to clients, we say to them, this method of removal is fantastic for those reasons, but these things are pretty tricky. Now we're continuing to monitor and speak to suppliers and figure out how to how to solve for it, but you need to know that this is part of the problem. And you know what? Actually, clients are responding very positively. They're saying, well, at least, you know, we, we know what we're getting into. We we understand those risks now. You're not telling us that it's all exactly clear because, because it isn't, and it won't be for a little longer. Although there are very many actors working on big, um, you know, uh, solutions to 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 all of the issues that we've discussed. Looking forward a little bit to start wrapping it up. I mean, I know this is an industry where crystal balls are highly valued. Looking into <laughs> into, into your crystal ball, what are the kind of the big things ahead for the curate and for you in coming months and quarters? Yeah, so I think, um, well, uh, at Curate, uh, the couple of things that we're really looking to right now is we are in, in all of these important solutions. One, we know that it's a big challenge for clients um, to set their net zero targets, to try and set their carbon budgets. Um, so we're looking, we're, we're looking to building some tools that will make it just a little easier. We're not in the business of carbon accounting and we will not be. We actually believe that there is a bit of a perverse incentives to both be counting your carbon and then telling you, oh, for the remaining bit, buy my expensive removals, <laughs> right? So um, so, so, so we're working on making that process just a little easier, just seeing how big of a difference it can make for clients. Um, we are, I've already mentioned financial products. I really, it goes back to money. Um, and if we, if we can prove at small scale and pilot scale, to large financing partners that putting capital behind carbon removal is going to bring them a potential upside i think that would be hugely meaningful so we're look for we're looking for a couple of a couple of um sort of pilot projects of our finance uh, of our financing uh products uh, this side um this side of christmas um, but also a lot of the work that we're doing is on the narrative side so we actually have a dual structure curate is a startup 
And we have a sister NGO called Rethinking Removals run by my co-founder, Dr. Gabriel Walker. And there, there's a bunch of work that we're doing on both coalescing the, the buyers, the suppliers, and policymakers around how to best inform regulation that's going to come in. So Rethinking Removals have done work with the SBTI, the, um, the, with the ICVCM, with the VCMI. And a lot of it is how do we translate insights from real world ecosystem to, okay, how do we set what constitutes a good standard? How do we inform what companies should be able to claim and on what basis? And then how does that translate into policy domestically and internationally? And actually, when I think about my crystal ball, one of the things that I'm genuinely excited about is a signal from policymakers that this is something that is no longer voluntary. And that's not to say that we're going to have a full-on compliance market starting next year, but a signal from policymakers saying to organizations, there's going to be a twin target to your net zero ambition. So you have a net zero plan 2035. You cannot just wait until 2034 and drop a billion quid on this solution. You need to continue reducing your emissions and start buying removals to show that you're on track. I think as soon as we start seeing more of this from policymakers, a lot of the issues around awareness, trust, and access to finance are going to be solved. So we're super excited about this. Again, I spent my whole life in the private sector, and I'd never seen an industry where venture capital talks about policies, founders talk about policies. We like we genuinely have an opportunity to collaborate in a meaningful way. I often have said in the episodes of Nature Back that one of the great business ideas would be to set up a fund, buy up carbon credits, and sell them in 2029. Well, and 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 the thing is, a that is not a bad idea at all. I guess the the thing is, and and it would be great actually. We may be working on something that looks a little bit like this because part of part of the thing is if you start buying up credits today, that means that these suppliers get revenues, and with those revenues, they can finance innovation. I suppose there is an argument of, especially if you're reselling it at a profit, you know, what to what extent that is, to what extent that's the right thing to do. So this is something that we've definitely battled with. Um, but uh, you know, there there are people out there that are genuinely looking at this because. It's, I've never been in an industry before where the question when you're pitching investors is not, oh, how big can this get? The question is, how big does it have to get or we all go up in flames? Mm. And, that is a, that's, and that's when you have a certainty of an incoming large compliance market. Uh, when you're seeing it be born, a lot of the ideas that I'm sure you're discussing here on the podcast, mm. they, 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 they become particularly exciting. Mm, absolutely. And, uh, you know, excitement is uh, part of the game here in this uh, industry, sometimes a little bit scared excitement, sometimes a bit uh, more positive excitement uh, going forward, definitely. Thanks, uh, Marta, for joining us in this episode and good luck with your efforts. It sounds amazing stuff what you're building. Thank you so much. Really appreciate what you're doing to uh, increase awareness and get everybody uh, behind this cause. So, uh, yeah, massively appreciate. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. 
But I like Airplane. I know you do, but WannaBet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA.